All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Ravens uh, Purple Friday podcast with Life on the Hammock. As we talk about Ravens football, as always, uh, we've got my guys Trey and uh, Travis with me as we're, we're recording on a uh, for a Thursday night football game tonight. So the Ravens play the Bucks, um, primetime game for another one. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but um, kind of want to touch on. Uh, what you know, we're almost at the half. I guess is that with the odd number of games now, I guess it's this is it could be this week or next week is the halfway point of the season. And uh, there's been a lot of talk lately about the coaching in the NFL today, and uh, more so how bad that feels like a lot of these football games have been. I mean, Brady commented a few, um, few weeks ago saying uh, to one of the um, the media people, I guess to one of his post-game presses on how they say it's bad football being played, it seems like all around the league. It's not just uh, the games that, you know, he's been in, but it's been like, you know, this seems like it's just been the football, quality of football being played has been lacking this year. Um, I mean, you look at the records right now, I guess just from the eye test, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, and I guess because of record, you got to throw the Cowboys in there. I'm not going to put the Giants in there because their brand of winning isn't necessarily because they're good. They just they know how to they know how to win ugly. I would say it's fall play, but they know how to win ugly. Um, and the Jets have been another team where they've been. I think a lot of teams just are more so not taking them as serious. So. I'm not gonna say good football play because they've made some bonehead stuff too with their quarterback play and stuff. But um, when you look at teams like, for example, the Rams and uh, Sean McVay and how, like, right now the 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 Los Angeles Rams are they don't look good right now. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals started to look okay, but they've been up and down this season. I mean, the Carolina Panthers go in and beat the Patriots this past Monday night. Um, by what 245 rushing yards on the ground? Um, I'm sorry, the Bears beat the Panthers, uh, the Patriots. My bad. Um, you look at the Cleveland Browns, still Browning right now. Uh, <laughs> Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys scored what 10 points, 16 points in that game this past this past week. It, it doesn't really make any sense with you know with the talent they have on offense, and then you look at. You know, we thought Doug Peterson was going to be the answer in Jacksonville. They haven't really turned it around. Josh McDaniels and the Raiders, he's one and four there right now. Um, or, sorry, he's two and five or something like that. Um, it, do you think the NFL right now, it seems like a lot of these head coaches that have gotten jobs recently that have been coordinators are so – stuck on the analytic analytics part going forward on fourth down seems like all the time a la um brandon staley or uh for the um for the chargers going forward on fourth down seems like every single every single drive going for two points even though you should kick the field goal after scoring a touchdown uh does it does it feel like these guys are more relying on the analytics and not just pure understanding the flow of the game and just momentum and how your guys are playing, knowing what guys you have on the roster. Is it these guys are just looking at the analytics department and is it more so that it's easier to blame a department on this instead of blaming yourself as a head coach? 
yeah, I th- I, it's kind of like a combination of those things that you mentioned. Um, analytics, I think, does play a huge role in, um, you know, Baltimore uh, specifically. We know, you know, a whole lot about analytics and things like that. I feel like we were one of the, the main teams or probably one of the first teams in the NFL that heavily relied on it. Like, I feel, I just, I feel like John Harbaugh was one of those coaches instrumental in um, using analytics just primarily throughout most games. And I think what made it popular was that the Ravens were actually successful in doing so, um, especially in our um, you know 2019 season, uh, Lamar Jackson's MVP year. And that's probably what has a lot of these coaches kind of mocking it because it, it kind of worked for us during that period. And the reason it was working was because we had the personnel to do it. Um, but we've also seen a lack of adjustment from John Harbaugh, um, you know, in, in the later seasons, just of, of still util, utilizing that philosophy, but not necessarily having the right personnel to get it done. And, and a lot of those came, you know, in those fourth and short situations, um, those fourth and ones where in 2019 we had the offensive line, we had the running backs to get those kind of automatically. We had Lamar Jackson that was able to sneak it. We had a whole bunch of stuff um, that, you know, we just don't have the, you know, the the personnel to get those same uh, type of things done. So I, I do think analytics plays a factor and you, and you do see it um, throughout the league at this point and analytics are definitely more so referenced. I don't know if I've heard it referenced more than I've ever been hearing in this last couple of seasons of analytics mm-hmm. being used, but I do think it's, it, it's more so a cop-out and overall, I think it's more bad coaching than it is um, analytics. So maybe, you know, they are using analytics just to blame, but um, it's also been some, some piss-poor coaching um, as well. Uh, I'm not going to say I don't know as far as the state of football, as far as just it just being a bad product on the field because of it. Um, because I, I don't mind, um, you know, the league being because it's been pretty unpredictable at this point. It's probably one of the most unpredictable starts to a season up to you know whatever week we're in week eight. And I think a large part of what dampers it is these primetime games not being as good. These Thursday night games. Um, you know, being pretty much horrible up until, you know, last week we finally, last Thursday we finally got some scoring in, in one of your Thursday night games. And I think, you know, when your primetime games are bad, then it kind of overshadows whatever else is going on in the season, even if the season mm-hmm. is kind of looking, you know, pretty good. So I, I think it's like a variation of factors. Um, but, you know, analytics, it, it can't it can't outstay what with with the blind eye sees like you know your eye your eye test should be the first test what's happening on the field what's the situation analytics can't account for everything so I, I think a good coach understands that and a good coach uses analytics maybe as a um, a last resort or in a situation where um, you know, it's just the last thing that they can they can go to to make a decision but I, I think a lot of coaches are leaning too much on it because um you know i think common sense should always outweigh whatever the analytics tell you to do in situational football so it, it's like a combination of things and and different types of you know things that's going on in the league that that are kind of 
contributing to you know some of those points that you were making but I don't you know analytics is just you know a variable in it but it's also a lot of bad coaching so I don't even really know who to put the blame on but I think I think analytics probably is a cop-out though <laughs> yeah I agree I agree it's totally a cop-out and you know analytics aren't the end-all be-all and they shouldn't be you know um granted mathematics and data you know in the in in the regular world is drives everything right but there's this thing about sports and sports there's you have to look at the eye you have to actually see what's going on to be able to see what looks good you know in the corporate world data tell us what's good but when you're playing football you know you can see exactly what's happening so if, if I know the flow of the game, I can see what's happening. I can see that we're doing this well, we're doing this not well. We shouldn't be able to go to data to determine what our strategy is. If we if we see that, you know, we're doing well in the run and, and our players are real amped up, our offensive linemen's get our offensive line's getting good push, I'm not gonna go to analytics to throw the ball on on first and goal, second and goal, third and goal. I'm going to go ahead and run the ball. You know, we got this momentum going. My guys are amped up. We're going to punch it in there. And I think, you know, that that that's a big problem when you start factoring analytics. Like, we use this as such a crutch to explain our dumb decisions. Like, to explain our lack of feel for the game. You know, and I think it's just something that is, you know, it, it's good to have. But it's becoming too much of the decision maker. It's it it's solely should be used to kind of explain things that maybe the eye isn't seeing. But the way it's being used is is so incorrect. It's being overused, and it's giving guys like Harbaugh a pass. You know, Harbaugh is a big culprit when it comes to analytics, and he he he's been, you know, when things have gone good, people have praised his adjustments in the analytical world but now it's just like you know it's it's faulty like and you have to actually watch the game you have to actually understand what's going on you have to know your guys know your personnel and you can't just rely on that so um you know yeah i think it's a crutch and i think it's being overused yeah i think like uh like when you made a great point there i think travis and talking about sports right like it's one of those things where it kind of started bleeding into baseball first with the analytics and then it kind of got to basketball um, and now football. Um, but I think yeah, you guys are right. Like you feel like like sports is still one of those few things that is still very like primal as far as like the instincts when the guys on the field, like when the guys are on the field, they're not thinking about the data points and looking at graphs and stuff they're going there, you know, play sheet cards and stuff they're going out there like sometimes it's one of those things where it's like i'm going to take this ball i'm going to run it down your throat kind of thing like when you hear guys like lawrence taylor and ray lewis and jay rice and emmett smith and those guys talk about when they were like on the field like it was very much so like a lot of times it was a guy that they were they've been they were you know talking up all week and i'm gonna run i'm gonna run right over them you know i'm gonna catch this i'm gonna go against this guy like when you know talk about going against guys like andre Ryzen and Michael Irvin and stuff like you know it wasn't about analytics with them it was about man on man kind of stuff like it was just I feel like it's gotten to a point for the head coaches like you guys said that now it's 
you you you're looking you it's, it's like a like a how corporations look at their employees right they now look at their players as just data points on a spreadsheet now they're not looking at like the the human element of these guys looking at the guy's eyes during the games like what are these guys really thinking about this guy's and is he is he in the game today like is he really in it like something going on like you know uh that play seems like it really hurt his morale maybe i should go and talk to him and stuff instead of looking at a putting this on a data point or something or a spreadsheet and like well i guess that didn't work kind of thing um it's one of even like those like the movies we watch right like the remember the titans and little giants and angels in the outfield and stuff like it's usually about just overcoming adversity being the underdog and that kind of thing where it's just sports has always provided that kind of um i think for fans like even fans who have can't play the pro level rooting for their team to just cover overcome just like leaps and bounds that like no one thought they would win the football game and i feel like analytics can't capture that right it can't capture that moment in the game where you you have them right there's a moment where it's like we have a chance to take this lead we're criticizing mike mcdaniel recently in the dolphins game uh where i think they were playing who the dolphins played this past uh, sunday i can't remember who it was um this was it this the jets the, the was it the vikings game yeah the vikings vikings won that game 24 to 16. there was a point in the game where i think the the dolphins were up like sick they were up 16 to 10. um and they had a chance at a field goal to just push up to 19. And Mike McDaniel did like a, a analytical thing, went for it when he shouldn't have, and they ended up not getting it. And then I think that they changed momentum uh, back to the Vikings way, and then they never looked back. And it's one of those things where it's like, you have to assess, like I think, like remember in 2019, the Ravens are driving down the field. It's the fourth quarter, and the Ravens are, was it, was it fourth and two? And they're in Seattle, and it's an away game. I think it was Marcus Peters' first game as a Raven. Um, and when they said, let's go for it on fourth down, Lamar's like, let's go for it. I think you guys remember watching that wide, that wired mm-hmm. episode. And that wasn't an analytical thing. That was the moment right there. Like, your quarterback, your team's like, let's go for it. Let's go get that. We can, we can win this football game right here. Let's go get it. And I think sometimes, I think Harbaugh probably took that moment like, oh, let's just go for it on fourth down all the time now. Like, no. There are there are there's a place in time to go for it on fourth down. A place in time. Like especially when you're at home, right? If you're at home, it's the fourth quarter, you're down by three or whatever, you got three minutes left in the game. You're like, I don't know if we're gonna get another chance at this. Let's go get a touch. Let's go for the win right now. Let's go for the win. It's one of those things, like it's one of those things you just gotta feel, right? And I feel like there are a lot of coaches now that it's real easy to just point to oh analytics says let's do this here but it's like yeah but it's on our side of the 50 and you know they've been moved they just scored a touchdown on us not even three minutes ago we probably if we don't get this they're going to probably just score again and now we're stuck now the morale of the team is low and i think that's the other thing too is like when the the more you keep trying the going for it on fourth down or going for the touchdown when you probably should take three you're killing the morale of your team on top of that. Like analytics doesn't capture that point where if you've had two failed fourth down conversions that have also led to the other team either getting good field position or scoring on the next drive, now you got to look at how does my team feel about this right now? You know, like I don't care what analytics says. Like my guys like have 
not converted these last two times we've gone for it. We probably shouldn't be doing it a third time. But we constantly see it now, especially in the league today, where guys just keep doing it. Mike Thomas, for example, they just keep, and then they keep losing football games. And I was looking at the standings recently, just seeing like what the records were. There's only, let's see, one, two, three, four teams that have over 60% win, like 60% in their wins this year. Everybody else wow. is literally either 500 or lower. That's it. It's very, very top heavy. I know a lot of people can say, oh, it's parody. This is what parody is about. Like, well, if that's the case, if, if that was parody, then everybody would be around 500 or at least high 500s, 600s. But you got literally four teams. And I mean, it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the, I guess the Titans, the Titans are over there at 600. The Titans and um, the Cowboys. That's it. Everybody else is trash. Literally, everybody else is just not that good. And you see it on the field. Like you guys have said, like the Monday night games, the Thursday night games are not prime time. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos got me looking, talking to Goodell and then like, look, man, I've been putting a lot of trash games on my for prime's gonna be the 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 sole proprietor of this going forward. I'm like, I'm gonna need some more prime games. You know, some more prime games. And I feel like I think Trey, you mentioned this a few episodes ago, where at some point maybe you should start flexing games in prime time a little bit sooner than like week eight, week nine. <laughs> yeah, you know, has gotta you gotta do something. Because <laughs> fans have fans are tuned out. Fans are like, I'm not watching this. Fans, are like, I'm not watching this crap. I mean, it's become a it's become a joke now. We've seen the memes and stuff mm-hmm. on like you know Instagram. It's become a joke now. Like these the Bears playing on Thursday night. Uh, the the Broncos continue to play on primetime games. I think there's still two more Bronco games we gotta watch <laughs> on primetime. The Packers don't look, and that's the other thing. Your your top teams, right, in the in the NFL, aren't good right now. The Saints aren't good. The Packers are not good. The 49ers look okay right now. I mean, they had the big trade with Chris McCaffrey. They don't, they don't look good. The Rams don't look good. Um, on the AFC side, the Patriots don't look good. The Raiders don't look good. So it's like your your perennial teams, right? Your 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 go to football teams that have been around, have been have history behind them aren't playing well right now these are teams that you usually in any other in any league right like in the baseball you need the yankees you need the dodgers you need the red sox and basketball you need the lakers you need the celtics um you need the knicks whenever they decide to get together um but <laughs> the houston rockets like certain teams right you need to be always good at all times but you're seeing this year in the nfl where it's just like Everybody, I mean, outside of the Ravens bubble, we're not the only ones dealing with this situation right now. We're not. It's literally like every week to week, we're just like, I don't know where they're putting out there. Everybody's everybody's bad right now. Um, and it just doesn't, I don't know if it's going to get better. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think a lot, I think another part of this too goes into uh, the fact that and the familiarity with some of these guys where they're just literally picking guys they're comfortable with. The owners, the coaches are picking guys that they're comfortable with. Not necessarily that are best qualified in offense or running a defense, but guys they are comfortable with, you know? Um, and I feel like the best teams you have are guys that you have coaches that will challenge each other. They don't run away from confrontation. Um, look at the Titans, right? The Titans weren't expected to do anything this year. They're the culture expected to run away with this division. 
this year. The Titans are sitting there four and two. Okay, they traded away their they don't have AJ Brown or Corey Davis. And they're out here four and two, still winning football games. They won four straight games. They've won four straight games because they're well coached. And I think that's the other thing, too, is that we see teams like the look at the Giants. I mean, I know I didn't put the Giants up there, but the Giants are six and one right now. They're finding ways to win football games. Well coached. I think we you gotta go into when you look at when Ravens fans comment constantly on if we get rid of Harbaugh, if we get rid of Greg Roman, then what else is out there? You know, who else are we gonna get? I'm like, well, we can't continue to stay in this relationship. That's like being in a like if you're in a, been a toxic relationship for several years, right? And you're like, well, what's you don't want to go back in the dating world, do you? You've been together with this person for so long. Yeah, but they treat me like crap. I don't want to continue, but you don't know the other person's gonna treat you like crap. I don't know that, but I can't stay in this relationship. You know, like I at least try. I got to at least try to find something before I find the find the one, you know. And I think the Ravens fans have now gotten in this mindset where it's like we can't get rid of Harbaugh because he's been here so long. But at the same time, you look at Pittsburgh fans with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, they're two and five. They're getting to a real close point where they're going to have their his first losing season. Hmm. You try and I guarantee you in Pittsburgh, they're, they're, if he keeps losing games the way he's losing, they're going to be like, was it more of Big Ben or was it more of Mike Tomlin winning his football? I think I think he can afford uh, uh, one losing sort of season though. Oh yeah, he hasn't had one with Ben Coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they don't have they don't have a quarterback. They don't. Have, you know, the defense is injured. Like mm-hmm. you know, he 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 has more of a pass because yeah. what he did last season with the team he had, not even getting a losing season with those guys. I mean, I think he bought himself a lot of extra time just yeah. do, just by doing that alone. So, but um, I, I, I guess on the my, my thing is too like what I just said, but the Titans and the Giants. The Giants literally don't have any wide receivers right now. They just traded away Kadarius Tony this morning. He's gone. Um, they only have Saquon Barkley. That's literally le- legitimately the only weapon they have. And you look at the Titans, all they have is Derrick Henry. They don't really have anybody else. And yet they're sitting here. Giants are six and one. Titans are four and two. The Ravens have a better backfield collectively, better quarterback than both of those teams. And yet the Ravens are sitting here struggling to find a win each week. Like I think, like you guys have said many, many times, this that that defines right there coaching. You have guys, you have the roster. It's it's extremely hard to coach in the NFL because because you have to draft players at where they are. You can't go out and recruit players and in like college and recruit the best player like Alabama does and Georgia and Clemson and all those other schools. In NFL, you literally have to have good coaches to bring the best out of the guys that you have. And I think the Ravens do have quality guys problem is is that Harbaugh and his staff collectively on offense they're not the guys are stuck I don't see guys getting better you know like the the, the Ravens are stuck right now the Ravens got where Harbaugh's been living off of Ozzie Newsom and his draft picks for a long time but now that EDC's gotten two drafts under his belt um, and Harbaugh's had to bring guys and uh, how to pick new position coaches because other position coaches have gone on to become coordinators or head coaches elsewhere. Now we're starting to see Harbaugh, the Harbaugh trees. It's got some rotten fruit on it. You know, it's 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 not sticking. I know they give Harbaugh all this this credit and stuff about being a great head coach, and you are usually defined by the tree 
and the guys and the coordinators that go on to become either head coaches or good coordinators in the NFL, I don't see a lot of Harbaugh's guys becoming good coordinators elsewhere. I don't see a lot of those his guys be going on to become head coaches. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with this season, we're seeing that coaching matters. You know, we're seeing it across the board, like with the injuries, with with players declining. Like you're seeing, like the real the real uh, motivators, the X and O guys, they're really starting to separate themselves from the pack. So, like a guy like Harbaugh, who's been fringe, he's getting exposed. Mm-hmm. He's getting exposed, and so is his staff. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. Uh, so everybody's been talking about the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, the grumpy old man in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Buccaneers and the Packers are, I think, both. Well, the Buccaneers are still, they're tied for first in their division, but the Packers are right behind the Vikings. Packers are three and four right now. They've lost the last three games. Um, and a terrible losing streak right now. The Buccaneers have lost the last two. Um, we saw Tom Brady recently go yelling at his offensive line, which is it, which is it new. We've seen Tom Brady do this before. Um, but I think on top of the fact that he's going through, seems like a divorce, a nasty divorce right now. Um, Ryan Jensen going out into the year. Um, Mike Evans not playing his best football as of right now. Robert Winkowski's not answering Tom Brady's phone calls. <laughs> um, um, forcing uh, forcing Bruce Arians out as heck because he didn't get along with him. Um, this offense has been struggling right now. They're, they're literally even. They're forcing 124 points and allowing 124 points. They're the definition of mediocre right now. <laughs> they're the definition of mediocre. And then the Packers are only forcing 128 points right now. They're one of the lowest scoring teams um, and allowing a lot of points. Um Aaron Rodgers cast criticizing uh, his current teammates and guys not getting it together. And I think one of one of um, uh, Aaron Rodgers' former teammates came out on another show and said, "You can't do that." But Aaron Rodgers this is what Aaron does. Aaron has been doing this for the last couple of years now, where he's been criticizing everybody else but him. Um, we don't. We're not hearing the relax. We're not hearing it's okay. We're going to get better. We're seeing Aaron Rodgers kind of. You know, it's he, uh, he can sense it, right? He can sense like this team, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Um, at this stage now of their careers, Tom Brady being 45, Aaron Rodgers close to 40, he's 38 right now, I think. Um, have their play hasn't been great now. I think Tom Brady's still been throwing the ball pretty well for his age, for what he normally does. Um, but it does seem like the they don't have Tom Brady doesn't have the grasp on the team. Like normally, when he yells at a team like that, they kind of pick it up, like they did old Patriot days. They would get it together and they would go win that football game, the same game. They lost that football game that Tom Brady was yelling. So it, it feels like both both guys are losing grasp in their teams. Do you feel like this this is it? They, they feel like they were seeing we're seeing now the slow decline. And Rodgers. Yeah, I think it, this is kind of tough because, I mean, obviously we see kind of the growing pains that both teams are having. Um, no doubt about it, um, Brady's not playing 
like himself. Aaron Rodgers is definitely not playing like himself. But I put more of the pressure a little bit on Aaron Rodgers just because he's really not playing well. Um, and mm-hmm. on top of it, he's criticizing everybody around him and not in like an inspirational way. He, he's, he's literally just bad-mouthing his teammates um, across different platforms. So, it, it, you know, it's one thing. We understand that, you know, you lost your best wide receiver rep, uh, weapon in Devontae Adams. Um, but at that point, you got to move on. Um, what makes this very different between him and Tom Brady is that Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year. Yeah. That deal just got signed. So for him to lose Devontae Adams and ever since that moment, badger your own teammates and criticize your teammates every time there's a poor game, um, you got to look at yourself in the mirror because um, what a lot of these great players are known for, Tom Brady included, they're known for making guys better. I mean, you, you can't name a lot of the players that Tom Brady has taken to the Super Bowl. Like, that's literally the reason why, you know, he's the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's not really taking that approach. Um, he's just more so finger pointing. And I think that it's 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 going to come to a head at some point. Um, I don't know how, but you can't make $50 million a year and the season go the way it's been going. It's not just your teammates. It's not just your receivers. You have been playing poorly as well. Um, it's easy to, you know, make excuses and, and point the finger, but you know, when, when you're making that kind of money, you don't really have that argument. And uh, in Tom Brady's case, I give him a little bit more of a pass. I do understand he's definitely not the same Tom Brady, even of you know last year. But when you think about the team that he has now, compared to how that team was even just like a year ago. It's completely di- different. That team is decimated. Um, that team is old. That team is slow, very slow. That team is lost. Um, Chris Godwin, he, I mean, he's not lost him. He's there, but he is not the same Chris Godwin since that knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Gage is probably their fastest weapon, and he's not even playing tonight. Um, he's been in and out. And that interior offensive line is done up. Um, they, they, and that's really um, Tom Brady's Achilles heel is when, when that center um, protection is not shored up. And he also lost, I think, a starting guard or a tackle as well, along with uh, Brian Jensen. And that interior line, would, it, it's hard for Brady to, to, to manage that. And he's not taking any hits at this point. Like, Brady's not taking any hits. So, you know, he's already has to get the ball out fast. And with the line being that weak, he has to get the ball out even faster. And that's what's contributing to a lot of his bad play. And then when you flip the script on the defensive side of the ball, their pass rush, you know, is worse than what our pass rush was last year. They're almost dead last in, in QB pressures. So it's a lot more factors to me in Tom Brady's case, the, the reason that he's playing the way he's playing. And it's a little bit different on the Packers side. I, I think that, you know, if you, you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it really shouldn't matter who you're throwing the ball to. I mean, it's and that's a cop out because look at you don't even have to use this this year as an example. I mean, he, he's acting like he's that he's been that guy in the last two seasons. The last two seasons he's been getting bounced off the playoffs like it's nobody's business. Like he hasn't yep. been playing well um, in big game situations, and it's been a while now. So you know, I would give him a pass, but 
you just can't give him a pass with the type of money he's making. And also, he's not really taking these L's graciously. He's, he, you know, just the way he's going about it, it's completely, completely wrong, um, in my opinion. And uh, Brady's just in an unfortunate situation. I, I do think he, you know, he has some type of Benjamin Button going on. Like, I don't know if this is going to be his last year. I, I, I just can't see him going out like that with the, with the team that he has now. Um, but, you know, I think it would... I think it would be a different story, you know, had his offense been a little bit more shored up and not as injured um, coming into the year. So, um, yeah, definitely agent. But I, I think I would be more concerned about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But they're they're definitely not – neither one of them are definitely the same player. Yeah. And it sucks to see, like, the regression of these, like, Hall of Fame, <laughs> all-time greats. And, you know, you know what they remind me of? You know, I don't want to jump sports, but – like the way they're handling the end of their career is very LeBron-esque, you know. <laughs> and and I, I say this from being a Lakers fan, but you know, you you have these athletes that when they realize like they can't carry like they they can't can't carry a team and carry players like they used to, like maybe they can get their numbers here and there, right? But we're seeing the actual like limitations that they have. And in their mind, they have no limits, but their body has limits. And, you know, once that happens, they just start blaming, like, you have to give me this person or this person for me to to be able to take us to a chip. I can take us to the chip, but you all aren't putting these pieces in place. So there's so much so much deflection and, and not self-admittance of the fact that, hey, I don't have the skills that I used to have. Yeah. No accountability for like, oh, I made a bad decision. I made a bad throw. I mean, I've watched Tom Brady try to chuck it deep, knowing good and well that man's arm strength is very limited. So <laughs> we're seeing that across the board. And, you know, I'm similar to you, Trey. Like, I give Tom Brady more of a pass because, you know, he's he, he, he understands his limitations. He just has a lot of a lot of bad stuff going on, you know, and. I kind of expected him to have a down year just from the whole personal life that he, you know, the divorce yeah, and everything. That too. Like, yep. like I, I, I mean, that's hard to play through, you know, especially when it's that public and you have that big of a figure as your spouse. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a he's a dick. Like, yeah, like he's, he's been <laughs> like that to his receivers. Um, you know, he blames everybody but himself. I've never seen that man take accountability for his play. Um, so I don't I don't have much, you know, I don't I can't cake for the man, you know, I don't got no bail to shoot him. Um, but we're seeing that like just in LeBron's case with the Lakers, he's blaming everybody else, uh, being passive aggressive with his teammates. Like we're seeing these legends, like they just cannot admit that their body can't do what they think they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they know, but they just won't admit it. They think they can really just push the team where they can push it, but they think it's the pieces around them. When hey, it's you, it's you. You're regressing. You've hit. You've hit. Uh, Father time has caught up with you. Like, and if I think if they were to, well, mainly in Aaron Rodgers' case, if he was to admit that he is not the same player and alter his game, pull a Westbrook, you know force him to alter his game then maybe they'll have some some success maybe they'll have some more success um because i honestly think that they have a little bit more talent than than what he's saying 
You know, I just think, you know, he has to be patient. There needs to be an adjustment made on his end. He has to be smarter with the football. So, yeah. And I think that's the the crux of this, right? It's like Brady, because they lost to the Rams in such spectacular fashion last year, um, you could smell the Super Bowl, right? He could smell it and was right there and didn't get there. And he's like, he, I mean, he, he's won more Super Bowls than any other quarterback in NFL in, in NFL history. Uh, he has nothing else to prove at this point. But at the same time, um, football has been his life as he as he shows. Aaron Rodgers is saying that he's chasing the ghost of what was it, 2012? I mean, 2010 when he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but he won. It's been almost it's been over a decade since that man won a Super Bowl. And he's been chasing that ghost ever since then. And you know, even when the Packers won a Super Bowl, let's remember that um, the the Steelers. I think uh, Kalamalu had like a torn hamstring or something in that game. Um, I think Ryan Clark said he had something going on that he couldn't play well. So it was more so that a lot of people felt like they got lucky. I mean, now the the Packers that year did have like uh, was it twenty three guys on an injured reserve starters or whatever, and they found a way to win, but. He's been chasing that ghost since then. That was 2011 when he won the Super Bowl. He's been chasing that since. And he's been knocked out of the playoffs, like Dre said. Like, I mean, we saw the San Francisco, we saw, Tampa, we saw the Scotty Miller touchdown, you know, and the halftime. I think I pretty much turned the game uh, a few years ago when they, Tampa Bay played the Packers. And then um, San Francisco going, going into Green Bay on a snowy game, right? That was tailor made for the Packers to win that football game. I mean, Lambeau Field, snowy game at night. There's no way the 49ers or Bay Area team is going to come in here and win this football game. But they did. They won that football game. Um, and it was a, that play, I think that was the, the play they've been, they were talking about, should Aaron Rodgers have run it in? And why did he throw the football? He should have ran the football into the end zone. And mm-hmm. it's a play here and there. And it's like, I think with Aaron Rodgers, because he got criticized in the offseason, season. Um, also, because um, there was talking about during Devontae Adams' contract situation, even though he's, you know, whined, whined about not having an elite guy, like he could have went to bat for He could have went to bat for Devontae Adams. He could have went to bat for him. He didn't. Aaron Rodgers was worried about his own back. He didn't care about keeping Devontae there. So Devontae left, went to, went to, the, to the Vegas Raiders. And now, you know, Aaron Rodgers, to his... It's like a gift and a curse, right? My career, Aaron Rodgers, when he was in his prime, was good about taking guys and taking receivers to that next level. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, uh, Randall Cobb when he was a rookie. Like, he's been able to take guys to that next level. But now he's got, what, Dobbs. He lost Lazard. I don't know, is Lazard still there? He lost mm-hmm, Lazard. Lazard's the only guy he still got left. But Lazard, didn't Lazard hurt? I think he came back. Is he hurt back now? Okay. Um, I don't know if he got hurt again. but Yeah, but he can't stay healthy. So he can't really have time to deal with him. And then he's got a bad – and then on top of that, he's got a bad head coach in Matt LaFleur. Yeah. I don't care anybody. Matt LaFleur is not a good head coach. <laughs> he's all. just not. He's only there because he knew – what was it? He, because he knows uh, the Rams head coach. I think that's the only he, – he, was like he literally like I think he he's friends with him or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like oh we'll give Matt Lafleur a head coach job. We'll give him a head coach job. 
He doesn't know he's not a good head coach. Mike McCarthy wasn't a good head coach. He's not a good head coach. I'll say that right now. But Aaron Rodgers was in his prime. And I think you guys make a good point. The it's it's Shannon Sharp made a good point, I think, years ago on Undisputed and said that you like to see guys hang it up before they hit this point, right? You go out on top. Whether it's your best year or whatever, you didn't quite make a championship, but you had still had a great year. You would like to retire people remembering that of you. Instead of like right now with the Lakers being 0-4 on the had eight turnovers the other night, but people are gonna that's gonna stick in your head, right? The bad more the bad performances re that's with a recency bias. You're gonna remember how badly they played the last couple of years versus what they did the first ten years of their career. I wouldn't be surprised if the Reds beat the Buccaneers tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tom Brady in the next week or two is like, I'm retiring. Middle of the season. I'm gone. I'm out of here. <laughs> Tom Brady don't care about the Buccaneers. He does not care about that. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going home. <laughs> I don't have time to do this. I got to go handle this divorce settlement I got to deal with right now. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's... It's, but it's been time for those guys to go. I think it's time for the young guns to take take the lead and be new faces of the league. So I mean, that's just they can they can both just go sit sit down somewhere, if in my opinion. Um, let's move on to uh, this Ravens game. Uh, I mean, it's not much to talk about the Browns. I get for the, for the right now. Um, uh, I mean, I guess all I can say is. I mean, Lamar said it in his press conference, right? They only threw the ball 16 times. Uh, this passing offense has gotten more anemic by the week. Uh, Rashad Bateman only had four catches. One of them was a drop. Um, but, you know, Prochet didn't see the field even after Harbaugh said he's going to be more involved in this offense. He got no targets in that game. Mark Andrews had zero catches. I can't remember the last time that Mark Andrews had zero catches in, this, in a Ravens uniform. I cannot... I cannot remember that happening at all. Um, at, at what point, right? At what point do the I mean, and like we've been chatting on the the chat, you know, the last couple of days, and we've seen the moves that other teams, like the Chiefs, have been making, that the the Eagles have been making, and the Ravens are still sitting here and haven't done anything. There are still there are wide receivers out there for them to go get if they want to, um, but you know, at what point do you start thinking are the Ravens front office and this includes Steve Bashadi. Are they really invested in this team winning this year? Because you know you look at the Chiefs right now, find a way to get better. The Eagles are finding the ways to get better. Um the teams that you know that you don't think would need to make change make additions are making additions. Does it feel like that the Ravens brass are not in like they're just they're just letting it ride out. Like they don't really care right now. Yeah, I mean the, the biggest thing, you know, to 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 this fan base. I mean, actions speak louder than words, and um, we haven't seen any action. I mean, the most they've done uh, up to this point has been what signed Deshaun Jackson a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. that was you know about to make us immediately better, and we haven't seen him on the field yet. So, don't know what the deal with him is. Um, clearly. You know, for him to throw the ball 16 times last week, maybe Deshaun would have been useful if we played him last week. But, you know, still still, still unsure what the reasoning behind that was. 
if you want to sign him and not use him um, in that game particularly. Um, and also, you know, just this philosophy that for whatever reason, um, Baltimore thinks that we're sufficient with the unit that we have. And I don't know why they think that in week eight, we're just going to get automatically better um, just out of the cold blue. I mean, the story has been told week after week at this point. Um, we've been up, we've been down, mostly down, even in, in some of the wins. But especially mm-hmm. the Browns game, there was nothing in that Browns game that I was happy about besides Gus Edwards, maybe. Um, so, you know, Lamar is clearly frustrated out there. Um, yeah. You can see it. You can see it in this play, and not only he does he have this contract thing limit over him, but we're also not making moves to make this team better. I mean, it it almost seems like some sort of sabotage going on. And I mean, I don't want to speculate or anything, but the way the season has been going, um, Lamar starting off, you know, in the MVP conversation, and all of a sudden. You know, we we were going on like three or four weeks with him, you know, past, you know, throwing for under 200 yards, um, pretty much just trying to win these games on his own and ju- just him being set up in these situations where it's almost impossible to come out with a win. It just, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really sit well with me. And the fact that in free agency, we see teams like, um, to your point, Miles, uh, the Eagles, or an undefeated team still trying to get better, mm-hmm. making moves that they probably didn't even need, but they know if they get this guy, we're not going to be touched after this. And then you got the Chiefs, who just pretty much beat the dog crap out of the 49ers. Yeah. You saw that game. <laughs> Mahomes put up freaking numbers, and they come out the same week and trade for Like, look at the actions they're taking. And, and look what Baltimore is taking. We're not making any moves, and we actually need both of those positions. Yeah. That's yep. the irony. That's the irony. We didn't even know this guy was on the trading block. No. Yep. Everybody was talking about what the blind broke on Smith. I didn't know Robert Quinn was available. <laughs> I didn't even know that being available, but yeah. I didn't know this guy was on the trading block. This, this is the type of stuff that, that's 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 been available and you and 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 the crazy part is is that i'm i I can almost tell you how the conversation went oh no we're good justin houston's back we are he had a he had a great game against the brown (laughs) but that one game right one game game anymore one game (laughs) one game (laughs) like that 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 is sick that's sick why why are you not thinking more forward than that what has away been doing for you these last few weeks because that's what you need to worry about not a damn thing that's what he been he hasn't been doing he's probably <laughs> number one in almost sacks in the league he's not closing <laughs> the deal he's not closing the deal we see him we see him every week almost get a sack literally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you want to but you want to not make a move because uh, just, and, and don't get me wrong Justin Houston when he's on the field our D-line looks completely different yeah. so don't, don't get it twisted but we we that that's not you know we don't not pull the trigger because we had one solid game against the Cleveland Browns defensively on the D line. That hasn't been that hasn't been consistently the case. It's week eight. How many how many solid games have we had on the defensive line in eight weeks? Probably about two. 
probably about two good defensive line games. So the fact that we're not taking any actions and we're just following this, you know, this family, we got faith in the guys we have and all of that, that's a bunch of bull crap. And unfortunately, it's just, to me, it's just, it's just pouring out in Lamar's play. Like, he's just frustrated. What is he supposed to do? You know, like, it, what, what, what more do you expect him to do at this point? Because at this point, with all of these chips that are stacked against him, with the lack of action we're taking in, 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 in Eric EDC's office, and the, the, last, the lack of uh, scheming, game plans together to, to put the team in position to win, win games, and Greg Roman, it's just what, what, literally what, what, what more do you want him to do? Like at this point, the games that we're gonna win is probably just gonna be from just you know Lamar just going out there and doing it on his own, and 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 hopefully we just praying that the run game is is on today. That, mm-hmm. That's really how we've been getting all of, all of any of our success. So yeah, I I don't know to, to be honest, but you know the Browns game, like you said, it ain't really much to talk about. Um, we escaped that one too. Another one that we could have easily lost. Yeah. Um, but you know, a W is a W, and we're we're over 500. Hopefully, we can you know we can we can stay that way after tonight. Yeah, um, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> I mean, it was, I know we were we were chatting earlier, and it's like we just have this philosophy that's outdated. You know, like we just believe in going with our guys, sitting sitting pack, hoarding these draft picks. And I and made me think about like you know when you think of sports like who's been successful hoarding draft picks and solely depending on that and not making aggressive moves. Ooh, like I look at the NBA, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder. Look at them hoarding draft picks. Look where they're at. The Celtics before before you know the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum era hoarding picks and didn't work mm-hmm. out. Like this method is outdated. You have to be aggressive. Like LeBron said it. You know, when he was talking about the Rams, he was complimenting their Super Bowl, and they were just like, F them picks. <laughs> right. They gotta like, you know, it, you, right. Got, you yeah. gotta be aggressive. Yeah. They got, they're getting these players for, they're getting these players for comp picks. Yeah. Like a fourth and a comp pick that was just given to them. Like, right. <laughs> We're that's like, what's also like frustrating. That's what's also frustrating about here. You see, Robert Quinn went for like a three and a four. Kadarius Tony went for like a fourth and a fifth. But it's like and conditionals. Play. Yeah, and they're those. conditional. <laughs> yeah. So like so it's like it's like we're coming up on this deadline, and it's like what are the moves being made to get better? Are we are we anticipating? All these guys come back from injury and just saving the day. Come on, how realistic is that? How realistic is Ty's Bowser coming back and having a Pro Bowl second half of the year? Yeah. <laughs> how likely is that going to be? I mean, the man never made a Pro Bowl. Like he's a good player, but come on. Like we, we're not depending on J.K. taking us to the Super Bowl, are we? He came back right. from I mean, injury. And, and a job. We'd be lucky to see him again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and even like a job. you know, you're counting on a rookie. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't been in training camp or nothing. Like, he's been rehabbing his ankle. He's, even when he does come back, it's going to take him three, four weeks before he can get on the field. Like, so yeah, that's what makes no sense to me. It doesn't. I think there are players 
there are players to be had. Like like Trey said, like I don't think anybody knew Robert Quinn was on the trade block, but they made calls. They were like, "What you guys? You guys willing to give up somebody? <laughs> we we're willing to give you guys a three and a four. What you got for us? I'm like, all right, we'll take that. Like they're making calls, right? They're making stuff that get done. Now I will say, I mean, EDC did do this in you know 2019 when they got when they had a need there when they got Marcus Peters. Um, so it's been done before, but now the last two years, right? It's been like. Nah, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit here and not going to do much of anything. And I, I mean, I'm looking at the free agency next year, you know, barring any guys, you know, getting out of their contracts. It's not that market for wide receivers and edge rushers is very bare. Very bare. Like there's no, unless somebody just gets cut from the, you know, gets restructured their contract or whatever, if it gets cut, um, that, that that's not, it's not there. It's not available. And Let's remember, I mean, the, the, the Ravens were, I mean, even on draft night when they drafted the Dafe Owe, right? I didn't know who this guy was. I mean, I'm a Penn State fan. I had no idea who the hell this man was. And uh, he has, he didn't play. He has zero sacks. And like, all right, let's go ahead and draft this guy, Dafe Owe, who had no sacks in college. None. <laughs> let's go draft oh, him. Man. And he's, he's going to be, a, he's going to be the next Terrell Suggs. I'm like, what? Immediate starter. Immediate starter. What? He's had two, what, two sacks this year, yeah. maybe? That's it. Out of eight and eight weeks. You got Adafi, you got, okay, Adafi Owe is 23 years old. And he hasn't even hit his 24th birthday. You have a guy that's at least 14, maybe 13, 14 years older than you. And Justin Houston has three sacks in one football game last week. Like, how are you letting a guy that's on the cusp of retirement? outperform you you are physically faster and bigger than he is right now more just like literally just your, your body hasn't even gone through the wear and tear of normal football seasons and you have nothing to show for it his entire career so so far his entire career right from 21 2021 to 2022 he has six sacks six sacks he played all of last season and he's playing through most of this season and he only has six sacks in two years six so by the time he hits when he comes up on his next season and he still only has maybe he'll get one more get one more sack you think the Ravens logically hey let's pick up his pick up his deal let's pick up his fifth year option no that's another wasted first round pick you know what's going to happen since the Bucks the Bucks have a terrible offensive line Mm -hmm. Sex. Yeah, he's, he's gonna be right. Like, oh, we don't need anybody. You got two sets tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like they don't have anybody, man. Like <laughs> the worst line in the league. Yeah. Now, but the, but here's the thing that we've seen, we've seen games last season where the oh, we literally saw the Bengals. Right, man. I'll bring the Bengals up. Last season, right? The Bengals had one of the worst offensive lines last year. Yep. Wait, not a damn thing. We literally saw team. We saw Zadarius Smith. We saw plenty of defensive ends and edge rushers tear apart that Bengals offense. Mm-hmm. When the Ravens played them, couldn't do nothing. Nothing. Joe Burrow was was Joe Montana out there. Could not be touched. So I'm like, I mean, at, at this point with Adafi, oh, I know he's only in his second year, but I'm like, look, man, I, I don't see any growth here. I don't see you working <laughs> on any moves. I don't see you doing it. Like, so the Ravens, and then you got Kyle Hamilton out there. 
yeah, he didn't look lost this past game. Yeah, he looked like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> but you wasted a 14th, your first round pick on a guy that's like like Trey, like Travis said last week, a box safety. You, you wasted a you wasted a guy on box safety. Come on now, come on. The Ravens got him. You literally can see the Ravens don't know what the Ravens don't know what to do with him. They don't. They have no idea what to do with him. So I'm like, I don't know what the disconnect is right now between the Ravens and they, they, they've said they said since EDC has been the GM, at least the like 2019 and 2020, you could see them drafting players that kind of fit Greg Roman's scheme. Now they're like, I don't know what EDC is doing now. He's just picking people. He's trying to. He's all right. Let's go get that guy. Like. I don't know what the scouting department is like right now for the Ravens. I don't know what they're looking at right now. Again, I don't know as a rookie edge rusher coming into the league this year. I mean, you, you literally had to go out and get JPP who was sitting on his couch. Hmm. On his couch. It wasn't until Deshaun Jackson did the podcast saying he, was, he wasn't he was retired. And what, two days later, the Ravens signed him to a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. This is coming a joke. I think look at what they're paying attention to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a the, joke. It's legit a joke. Like Lamar, like you guys said, like the body language of Lamar Jackson, we've seen the last couple games now. Even when the Ravens are scoring, getting a touchdown, Lamar's going on the field, sitting on the seat. He's sitting there on the bench, like just sitting there. He looks, he just looks like he's not he's not involved with the game. He just looks like he's like, I can't. There, there was a point, I think, during the game, the Browns game. Lamar either got sacked or um, uh, incomplete pass from him. He was knocked down. And he was looking at his play sheet, looking at his card the next for the next play. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Lamar do that. Like, look at the card for the next play. Like, he gets getting to the point now. It's like, forget Greg Roman. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna run the offense. I'm just gonna run the offense. Like, I feel like it's gonna get to a point where I don't know if it's gonna happen tonight or the next game, but it's gonna get to a point where Lamar, I, Lamar is at a breaking point right now. You can tell mentally. You can tell that he is he's not happy the fact that he's the fact that he mentioned that he's like we only threw the ball 16 times and he mentioned that twice he wanted to emphasize the fact that i only threw the ball 16 times in this game like how can i there was like well you can't get in the rhythm like you can't get in the rhythm throwing 16 times in the game mm -hmm. their quarterbacks to throw 16 times in a quarter like right. 16 times in a game come on come on so I'm like second time, second. It's it's again every week. It's just scheme, like it seems like they're trying to run the not the 2019 offense, but the 2018 offense. That's what it seems like they're running right now. They want Lamar to go out there, and I'm. It's like Ravens media Twitter handle been putting this out there lately. They've been focused on Lamar only needs a hundred and something yards to uh, uh, break his uh, his uh, 2019 record rushing yards at this point in the season. And blah blah blah. I'm like, why are you guys emphasizing the rushing stats so much? You guys keep emphasizing the rushing, the rushing, the rushing. I'm like, I don't care about that. We know Lamar can run. We know that. But like Trey said, you know, I don't want to be, you know, conspiracy theorists and everything. But you know, we thought Ronnie Stanley coming back and Bateman's healthy, and you got Mark Andrews out there, and likely he's playing a little bit better. You thought. Okay, maybe they can go back to what the first three weeks, throwing the ball a little bit better. Haven't seen it. It's gotten worse each week. Gotten worse. Yeah. So, um, 
let's go over this. Uh, yeah, Ravens going to the Buccaneers tonight. Um, but first, is this a must-win game? Do you think for the Ravens? It's an out-of-conference game. Um, they're four and three. They got the Saints, I think, after this week. Um, is this a must-win game for the Ravens? I think. Um, I think the way the Ravens have been playing. It, we're almost at the point where every game is a must win um, mm-hmm. only for the simple fact that uh, we just are in dire need to stack wins we've been winning been losing winning and losing we, we, we desperately need to stack wins I think a win here is especially important because they're going to have about 11 days to rest because we got a Monday night game uh, next mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. so I think a win here going into um, an 11-day stretch where we can get a whole lot of guys back healthy, that'll kind of pay dividends, um, you know, continuing out the season. So um, they need to treat it like a must-win. Is it a must-win? Probably not. I mean, when we look at our division, I don't really feel threatened. We did. We already got a win over the Bengals at this point. I'm not concerned about the Steelers. I'm not concerned about the Browns. Um you know, at this point, um, the Bengals, they just lost. It looks like uh, Jamar Chase for about four to six weeks. So it could be you know, they, they could drop a game or two. We don't we don't know. So um, it's probably not a must win. But, you know, with this team, we kind of need everything we can get. And I think momentum is going to be huge for us if we do grab this win with the long extended break to kind of maybe find themselves. <laughs> Uh, after beating Tom Brady, if they can get that done tonight, so I I, I think it's a it's a must win, and it and if it's not, they they damn sure need to treat it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we need we need to just get the momentum right. Like we're getting towards the the midpoint of the season. This is where teams start to get on their get their run together. Like they're starting mm-hmm. to develop those habits. They're starting to you know just get their house in order where they can uh, mm-hmm. be able just to to sustain a long winning streak. And when you think about how we have to jockey for position because we see where Buff- what Buffalo's doing, we see the Chiefs are playing good. Like, we really have to get ourselves in a position um, to have some home games in the playoffs. So I think this is the perfect opportunity just to start, uh, you know, like you said, stacking those wins. But more importantly, start to display behaviors of a championship team, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we can't get it to the place where we're having long, consistent, long scoring touchdown drives, like that doesn't bode well for us. And if, if we keep on having these fourth quarter collapses, whether we win or lose, that's not the behavior of a championship team at all. So I think those are the important things. And it is a must win game. Like this is a team that seven players out. We should dominate. I don't care. I don't care if the gold is over there. I don't care who the quarterback is. A team has seven key players out. We should be dominating the game. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. And just uh, mm-hmm. looks like John Bond is going to be out tonight. Oh man, it's not good. So he he's not. That's our best linebacker. We got to rely <laughs> yeah. on Patrick. We got to rely on Queen yeah. tonight. You know, he had a great game yeah. against the Browns, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> he's yeah. been out. He's been. Say, been he, <laughs> and if it's not a must win. Uh, for the players, it's damn sure a must win for the coaches. I'll say that. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they got it. I mean, they they've been 
the coaches I think have been taking a lot of people are starting to now and for years they've been trying to give coaches bail and everything else but I think now people are starting to notice like the just the, it's the management of the game and the game situations and like you know the zone coverages by this defense and allowing teams to score but the, the Nick Nick Chubb run the ball on that Ravens defense David and Joku if he doesn't get hurt in that oh, in that man. game I don't, I don't game. think we win I don't think we win a football game. I don't think we win a football game. Even Joker was killing them. He yeah. was killing them. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, and like you guys said, they got going to run. So I mean, it's you got the Buccaneers tonight, and then they got the Saints, the Panthers, the Jags, and the Broncos before they play the Steelers December 11th. So they have a chance to stack some wins here. Yeah, they got a chance to go on a five-game win streak. You know, there were four. Was it four and three right now? So they could be five, six seven eight nine get get yourself nine wins and maybe two more divisional wins two more divisional games wins there that that pitch in the playoffs mm-hmm. you handle business these next five weeks you get two wins over the next five game stretch you're in the playoffs i mean you handle business right um now marcus marquis got i mean chris godwin's in the game uh tonight um Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. They, they've only thrown one touchdown, I think they said, over the last two games. So they're not throwing the ball well. Uh, the offensive line right now is in shambles. They sh- the defensive line, even without Calais Campbell, which is going to be interesting to watch because he's been really big in the run game for the defense. How the Ravens and you know Matt Abike is going to step up and T- Travis Jones, uh, Adafi always going to have to step up. He's going to probably have to play more snaps tonight. Uh, with with Calais Campbell out, um, they still have they have physical wide receivers. They got Mike Evans. Um, again, looks he looked like he's dealing with something injury wise. Like either that he's just he's getting to a point that he's getting to a point in his career he just can't keep up with guys anymore. Um, I'm I'm always worried. I always worry about this this secondary when they go against either speedy wide receivers or physical wide receivers or just physical targets in general. You saw last week with David and Joku. Like you don't you don't think Tom Brady's just going to try to feed the ball to Mike Evans all night? You know he doesn't have Cameron Bray. You know I think Julio Jones is playing, um, but he you think he's not going to feed the ball to and Chris Godwin's a physical. Like their guys are over 210, 50, 215 pounds. They're physical guys. So like I don't the the Ravens secondary is small, the linebackers are small, so I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Tom Brady in that offense and Byron Leftwich over the middle and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin letting them get in space in the over the middle and just beating guys physically. You don't necessarily have to beat them over the top or anything else like that, but just be able to be able to box guys out. Like Pepe Williams is not a is not a big guy. Um, Brandon Stevens is gonna probably have to play a little bit more tonight. I don't know if Marcus Peters. Is still dealing with stuff because the Ravens, you know, coming off are also coming off a short week. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Mike McDonald, you know, he's gonna have to coach against Todd Bowles and Tom Brady tonight. Can can he can he deal with that? I know you get Justin Houston back, but Calais Campbell, who is a big part of your run defense, is out, and like like you just said, Josh Bynes is out too. You're gonna be relying on guys like. Patrick Queen and Adafi Owe, who aren't great. Adafi Owe is not great at setting the edge. Um, Patrick Queen has been iffy when it comes to knowing what hole he has to hit. We've seen numerous times him not be able to shed blocks and be able to get to the rusher. So I, I think personally, 
this has to be an offensive game for the Ravens. This has got to be an offensive game for the Ravens. You've got uh, Carlton Davis is he's out. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, another one of their top corners, is out for the game. Akeem Hicks is out. Uh, Antoine, Antoine Whitfield Jr. is out. So I'm like, you got all these key players on defense that are out. This should be a game where Lamar, the, the Greg Roman, lets Lamar go off. Get this passing game. Get this passing game going. You're gonna have you're gonna have a good chance right now, but this game and the Saints game to get this passing game going and feel good going into the bye week. This is the opportunity for that. I I know there's gonna be a, a big big um, emphasis on trying to let's run the football, but they got to get the passing game going. They got to start to get that going. You got to start getting Prochet involved. You got to start getting Tyler. I know, look, I, I know Tyler Wallace has seemed like he's not involved in most games, but you, you have the guys who you have, right? You got to start getting at some point. Tyler Wallace is out tonight as well. Oh, he's out. Healthy okay, tonight. never mind. So, you Isaiah Likely, you got to start getting him more involved in this game. Maybe we'll see. Maybe Deshaun Jackson plays tonight. I don't know if that's been mentioned. Um, maybe he plays tonight. Getting him involved in this offense, they gotta find a way to playing some kind of passing game because throwing throwing under uh, uh, under two hundred yards every game is not gonna win win playoff games. Yes, it may win them some football games and they get to, they could get to 10, 11 wins at offense, but they're not gonna win any playoff games doing. It. We already we've seen that story. We've seen it. It's not gonna happen. When you go against teams like the Bills, the Chiefs, um, even the Patriots up to this point, Bill Belichick and them, they're still going to be able to throw, throw, uh, throw the ball on these on this Ravens defense, and that's 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 counting guys staying healthy through the end of the season, you know, on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think tonight, for more than anything else, I think the defense, it's more so we've seen this defense blow, blow these games in the fourth quarter. This offense is going to have to put on a show tonight. They got to put up. I haven't. We haven't seen thirty points from this offense since the Patriots game. That's the last time. That was what week four. We we got to see this team put up thirty points. You got to do it. You can't keep playing these games, twenty to fifteen and twenty to sixteen or whatever, and barely winning these football games. The the offense, the team itself, just got to has to feel like it's been, it's dominated somebody at some point, right? right. <laughs> it's got to feel like yeah. we played a hell of a football game tonight, guys. All three phases. They got to get that kind of win tonight. Yeah. So, um, I guess we'll do scores. Um, I'll go last. I'll let you guys do the scores for this one. Now, the, the money line has moved. The Ravens were, I think, one and a half going into yesterday. But as of this afternoon, it moved to two and a half points favored for the Buccaneers. So, yep. Just saw that. Um, I think uh, just due to injuries, I just think um, I'm not sure if the Bucks are going to be able to overcome that. And uh, I, I think they put up a few points, but I don't, I just don't see them really stopping as, as much on defense. But like you said, we haven't scored 30 in a few weeks now, so I'm going to go conservative. I'm going to say we put up 27, and the Bucks probably muster up about 17 points, 27-17. Okay. Um, I think we disappoint in prime time. I think uh, 
the play calling stays the same. I think frustrations boil over tonight. I think we play down to the Bucks. Tom Brady pulls out magic. I, I have us losing 24-21. Greg Roman gets fired. And we try to make a splash move next week. He's pulling. He's pulling. He's pulling to me this week. He's like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm on. I'm, I'm on trying to. I'm trying to end this. I'm trying to end this tonight. That is. Um, that is the one plus. If we do lose, I mean, yeah, yeah this I don't is think they prime can time. Not making a move if they do. Yeah, this prime time in front uh, of the nation. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm kind of on the. I'm on. The, I'm on the same train I was last week. I know the Ravens won, but um, just like what Travis said, it's just. It's still Tom Brady. And I just think the coaching staff for the Buccaneers is above and beyond better than the Ravens coaching staff is. Byron Leftwich is a hell of a coach. Um, I think, I mean, he's going to get a job, I think, next at some point. And Todd Bowles is still a really good defensive coach. Um, you know, he has, he has had to take over. He's been the head coach lately. So, I mean, it's, I, I just think that the Ravens, what we've seen lately and over Harbaugh's career, he's been outcoached by better coaches. And they're facing better coaches tonight. And I think Tom Brady, having lost the last, what, four straight games, um, they need a they need a win more than the Ravens do. Um, Tom Brady himself personally needs a win more than the Ravens do. <laughs> um, he needs something right now because, I mean, the personal life stuff is starting to bleed into football. And he just needs a win on prime Bay tonight. And again, with Calais moving out, I feel like that run defense is going to get exposed just because, again, I don't trust Adafi. And I, I haven't seen Queen put multiple games together, yep. string the games to get be consistent. And the secondary, Michael Peters has been getting beat. I don't, I don't like the matchup with him trying to be on Mike Evans or Marlon Humphrey on Mike Evans for that point, for that matter. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go Buccaneers win this one. I'll say they put up 30, uh, Ravens 20. So... Greg Roman gets fired. Hey, we're <laughs> on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, fellas. Uh, good show tonight. And um, Trey, you're going to the, the Saints game next next week, right? Next Monday night? Yep. Yep. Next yeah. Monday. Uh, going out there Saturday. I'll be there from like Saturday to Wednesday. So, uh, oh, nice. Okay. Yep. I, I, I need to get back out there, man. I gotta get back out to New yeah. Orleans. I love that city. I love that city. Yeah. That's gotta be a trip. Um, yeah. Ready to eat, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even if, even if the Ravens win or lose, you gonna have a good time. You have a good time oh, yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not gonna ruin your joy. Sure I won't remember it. New Orleans. New Orleans has ways of making sure you don't have to remember anything you don't want to remember. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, we'll figure it out one but, way or the other. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the Purple Friday podcast as a bonus segment. We're adding to our episode we did uh, the other night. Uh, of course, it was game night, so um, we all watched the game. Um, and we're going to just kind of give our, you know, two cents on what happened. Uh, Travis, we'll start with you. I mean, it's uh, I think we were all like even in the group chat watching this game in the first half. And we were just like, I think everybody, even us and just like this program now. Fire him now! Yeah, like this is. Th- th- I mean, it, that was the worst offensive. That was the first half, worst first half offense I've ever seen from this Ravens team with Lamar Jackson being quarterback. Like it was terrible. 
they were I think at one point um, before I think their, their, their second to last drive of that first half they had run 18 plays for 21 yards yeah. like atrocious um, even Lamar was like he was he was he it looked like Lamar was seeing ghosts out there because he was he didn't trust the line to protect him because it seemed like every play Tyler Lindenbaum was getting pushed on his back um, they were getting around uh, I guess Macari was playing out there right on the tackle uh, side and I mean there was like there were no running lanes whatsoever even when they put when they did try to run the football they couldn't run the ball they couldn't do anything and then Mark Andrews goes down in the second quarter and then uh, Bateman was he was in and out all night I think they said they saw him running on the sideline and I, I mean I guess he was a game time decision but he was clearly not he wasn't ready to go last night at all I think he played like a couple snaps and he was done yeah. uh, for the game um, what, what did you like first half? Like just comments. Like what, what were you, what were you seeing? And uh, you know, just kind of I guess how were you feeling about where this game was going at that point? You know, like the first half, like like we said, like I think I was like messaging y'all, and my mindset was like, what am I watching right now? Mm-hmm. Like I think they said it in the post game show. It's like the Ravens were experimenting in the first half, and it failed. That's how you can describe it. It was a big failure. I don't know what the what the uh, thought process was, but it seemed like, right. you know, we just did not think about the running game. We ran the ball, what, seven times in the first half? Mm-hmm. Um, and we just looked – we weren't throwing the ball well. We weren't throwing the ball for good yards. We weren't protecting. Lamar looked – he looked frazzled. Um, and it was just – it was just abysmal. It was just abysmal. There were – Everything that we say the offense needs wasn't done. Everything that we were afraid would happen was happening in the first half. It was our nightmare situation that we we thought may happen because we thought it would be a terrible get showing by the offense. And the first half looked like that. Yeah. But at, I don't know what happened at halftime. I don't know whose job got threatened. But that second half, oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, the line got pushed. Linderbaum, they attacked Devin White play after play after play. And I, and they just they just exposed him. And we were able to run the ball well. We ran the ball, I think, what, 24 times in the second half, 231 yards on the ground for the game. Yeah, they I had mean, 204 in the, in the second half alone. 204 wow. yards. Crazy. Wow. And, you know, one of the runs that I saw that really set the tone for me was that one Lamar run where he yeah. was just – he was – it looked like that, he was he was going to take it all the way. Like he did not want to go down. So, that twenty five yarder, yeah, yeah. So um, the second half, we saw more creativity. We saw we saw adjustments being made, and they zoned in on the weakness of the defense. I haven't seen that in a Ravens game where we identify something that's there after playing a half, and we come out and exploit it. So that that's huge. That's huge. I I love the fact. On some of those late game drives, we were keeping the, the defense off balance. Like we weren't just running plays because this is what we do, but we see something, we see how we can expose it, and then we play off of that. You know, we keep them on their toes, keep them guessing, and it worked. I mean, it was just an outstanding second half. You know, I think we can look later on and see that this could be a game, a season-changing half. This could this could definitely shift our momentum for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I remember you mentioned that uh, that Linderbaum play. I think it, what that Lamar run, and I mean they showed. I saw it on Twitter, and somebody zoomed in. Linderbaum pushed Devin White like twenty yards down the field. Like he, yeah. <laughs> he went at him and just like kind of almost lifted him off him into the ground. Like literally the first half, they couldn't do anything, but the, the, the Buccaneers line was dominating the offensive line. And then in the second half, the Ravens offensive line woke up. And I mean, they were pushing guys around, throwing guys like Stanley looked really good in the second half. Like, um, and it's weird, like you said, like Mark Andrew goes down, Bateman goes down. And I know this wasn't planned or schemed that way, but yeah, I think it forced Greg Roman and forced Lamar Jackson to like, I got to throw the ball to somebody. I got I, I can't debate and Andrews aren't here so I got to get the ball to somebody else um and then it, they like we saw what we saw more spread formation like we hadn't seen all right. year we saw them set up with three wide receivers three wide. four wide receivers wide outside we, we hadn't seen that all year we finally saw them spread it out Lamar looked like he looked way more in command of that offense running that type of offense yeah like he was checking in and out of plays he was getting the ball quickly to guys uh, shout out to Demarcus Robinson. I mean, he plays yes, where definitely. Lamar, they literally feel like a bubble screen and it looked like it was dead to rights. And Demarcus Robinson made the move left and right and he gets up field like 10 yards. Like, um, they brought back the Devin Duvernay Debo package. And then he yep. scored a touchdown out of that package. Yep. I think you had mentioned that, like, get him in, they got him in the red zone. You know, we, we literally saw in the first half, they had the ball, what, on the six yard line and threw the ball three times. They didn't run the ball at all, and then the second, I, you, I think before we before we started the show, you were I think somebody, I don't know who, I don't know if it was Harbaugh, I don't know if it was Acasa or even Bashadi, somebody called somebody, <laughs> told Harbaugh, told Roman, look, if this is gonna be, if this, if you you guys lose this game like this with this offense, y'all gonna get fired. Now, look, I don't know if you know they do have guys like T. Martin and um, Keith Washington in the building. Um, or Williams, I'm sorry. And um, they have them in the building and they obviously, they've had experience coaching. I mean, these calling plays in college and uh, more like spread type offenses that we that we saw in the second half. I, I don't know if that was the case and maybe T. T Martin and Keith Williams were more involved in play calling in the second half, um, getting things done. Because I think it's like Keith, Keith Williams is right next to Greg Roman in the booth. They yeah. showed him. So I, I, I would, based on the formations and stuff that we saw, uh, I'd have to assume that they were they got more involved. Yeah, I think somebody said something to somebody, and I don't know if Harbaugh told him like you need no, you need to let Keith do this part. You need to like you can do the run stuff, right? Look, you got to let Keith call the pass play. <laughs> yeah. You got to let him do that because you're not this is not it's not working. And we saw like look, finally, you know, preseason likely showed up, right? He showed up. I mean, he made that one catch he made where, Lamar, I mean, Lamar threw a dart. That thing was coming in hot, and he snagged that thing out of the air. And then on top of that, then made, like, stiff arms a couple guys, changed direction of the field, ran up another 10 yards. I'm like, he started to get confidence. Caught a touchdown, caught his first touchdown last night. Um, he started to look confident. I think it, 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 looked, it was night and day, right? It was not Lamar didn't look flustered in that, in that second-half offense. Right. He looked totally in control of what was going on, where he wanted to go. He was eight for eight yep. in the second half, eight for eight. He didn't miss a pass. So, I mean, it, I think as much as they've been trying to, I don't know, run this, I don't know, similar type offenses that maybe, uh, I don't know, the Chargers run or even the Rams run or stuff like that. But 
Um, it, it just goes to show that I think for the Ravens, you can't keep putting things in the box. You can't keep stacking these three tight end heavy sets and putting the whole defense on that side of the field and then running in that same space. It just shows that if you spread if you spread a defense out enough, there are going to be plays to be made, right? There, and I think now we see Demarcus Robinson. We saw Isaiah Likely. We saw Prochet get a couple catches last night too. Um, sure. That you know, guys can if you give them the chance can make make the plays. And yeah. I think, like you said, this was a defining that second half could be a defining moment for the rest of the season because. Now Lamar is like, I don't have to just trust 89 to catch the ball or throw it to Bateman now. Like, I can get the ball to these guys and they can make plays for me. Yep. Uh, I don't have to play hero ball. Like, I can throw the ball literally at the line of scrimmage and tell uh, Justice Hill, tell Robinson, tell uh, Duvernay, go get those 15 yards for me. You know? Like, I don't have to look downfield for the big play all the time. We can literally just take what the defense is giving you and make the play. Yeah. And we saw it last night. So, I, And Lamar looked a lot. He looked happy. Yeah. After that. He looked really happy. And I mean, we, we, we got to talk about it. Like, I think we all saw Lamar's walking into the tunnel and a fan drops a sign and it says, pay me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he just holds it up. And it's like, all right. He's, he, he's never said it out of his mouth, right? He's never actually said, pay me. Everybody else has been saying it for him. But he finally held that sign. I think that was a statement like not only not I think the other part that I think many people are brushing over, yeah, Lamar had a good game, but he had it without Mark Andrews and Bateman. Yeah. In the second half. I'm the engine. Like he had it without them and Bateman. Yeah. He had like a I think his quarterback rating in the first half, I think when I looked at the stats was like a fifty-four or whatever. Mm-hmm. He finished the game with a one oh four quarterback rating at the end of the game. He did exactly what they needed to. I mean, it felt like the Ravens were on their way to scoring 30 points in that game. Yeah. You know, when they got to the red zone, but I think they felt the time. They did have, they had great game management, too, at the end of that uh, game where time was winding down and it made more sense for them. Let's kick the field goal here instead of trying to go for seven because we can get the points. It still makes it a two-score game, you know. And then the defense gets a stop on two-point conversion, forcing them, like, all right, now we got to kick an onside kick to – you know, score a touchdown and try to win the football game. The game was over. But it was great game management even at the end of the game um, from from the Ravens as well. Yeah, I think I think the, the biggest thing for me is our offensive coordinator finally allowed us to use our weapons and, and play to our strengths. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we're a running team, but look, you have receivers who can make plays after the catch. You have four receivers who can make plays after the catch. You don't yeah. have to be so one-dimensional. There are so many things you can do with the talent you have. You don't have to just force it. And, you know, you can exploit matchups. You can keep people off balance. But the first number one thing you have to do as an offensive coordinator is you have to protect your quarterback. I'm not talking about blocking for him. I'm talking about setting him up for success, letting him get in the rhythm, giving him some easy throws, letting him put the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Stop forcing him to play this hero ball because that's what yeah. we've been doing for two years, forcing him to save us. And that's not how you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's um, that was, uh, it could, I mean, they got the Saints coming up next week then the bye week, but I mean, over the next uh, five to six weeks, they have a pretty winnable schedule. Yeah, um, they can they can go on a run and be at nine and 
was it nine and four, nine and three, they're, they're four and five and three now. It could be nine and three before they go into play uh, Pittsburgh yeah. in their next divisional game. Um, and then I think they got the Falcons in there somewhere and the Browns again. Um, so, I mean, they, they could, it's very feasible if, if they stick to this. Now, I think that's the other question, right? We've seen from time and time again, the Ravens offense do things that do things that work. And then that somehow the next week, they don't do any of that. Yeah. You know, the key is now, can they be consistent? You know, um, also on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they dropped like three interceptions, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, <game. laughs> that, was, that was crazy. It's like, here we go again. Yeah. The first one was the easy. The Marlon Humphrey, I, they slowed it down. It was literally in his hands. He's yeah. falling down, and the ball just hits him in the hands, and he drops it. I'm just like, uh, Marcus Peters, he, he dropped one. He He's not himself right now. I don't know if it's age catching up with him or he just lost a step, but there was a point, and I think, on that in the defense where Marlon Humphrey switched spots with Marcus Peters. Um they put they put Marlon actually all over the field. He played in the slot a little bit. Um, Marlon did a lot of good things last night too. Uh, Brandon Stevens, um, he he always seems to be there. He's always there, yeah. right? It's just turning um, his head around. That's been he's got he's gotten the lead. He's got he's got to start doing that. But I also hate the fact that they keep calling these pass interference calls on underthrown footballs. Yeah, like it's always a, the the defensive back is of course the defensive back is going to run into the wide receiver because he's looking he's trying to play the ball that's literally thrown at him. Yeah, the wide, he the, the ball is six seven yards away from the wide receiver, but you're blowing you're calling the flag on the the cornerback. I'm like, what are you supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do? Like, I hope they got to do something about that rule when they when if it's on the throne like that, you got to pick the flag up. Like you got to come on. I mean, that's just not going to do so. But other than that, I mean, Justin Houston got two sacks last night. Um, I know they're using him very sparingly, but when he's out there now, he's when he's fresh. He's been he's been his last three games have been very dominant for the Ravens. Um, the interior of that line going forward: Broderick Washington, um, Travis, and um, Matabike. I like those guys going forward, man. Oh yeah, they they were they're they're good, and they have they're a only better. Surface. Yeah, yeah, they have, they're only getting better. Um. And uh, and Geno Stone, you know, props to him the last few weeks filling in for uh, Marcus Williams. Yeah, I think yeah, Geno Stone is starting to play like the player that was getting hyped up his rookie year. You know, yeah. how he played in the preseason. We're starting to see it. I mean, he played all the defensive snaps. Mm-hmm. Him and Chuck Clark played all the defensive snaps. So that says a lot about the faith that the coaching staff has in Geno Stone. Yeah. So it's great to see him start to live up to his potential. I know he has so, so much further to go, but, you know, big shout out to him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so um, great win for the Ravens. I hope they continue to go in this going forward. Lamar clearly makes a game. <laughs> um, they got the Saints coming up next Monday night. Our boy Trey's going to be there, so hopefully he brings him some luck. Uh, win that one in New Orleans. And, um yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it for this bonus segment. Travis, thanks for you know you know last second <laughs> uh, coming on. We had to have, like, I just felt like we had to add some you know other information to this this episode. Um, but yeah, we'll catch you guys uh, next next Friday uh, on Ravens Win Friday this week. So we'll catch you guys next Friday. Peace. Peace.